Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? Well, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you're with us this morning. Uh, I know that you can be a lot of other places, and you chose to be here, so we, we really, really appreciate that. Before we kind of dive in today, uh, I, I just have a couple things I'll, I want to say. Um, first one is this, is that uh, next weekend, let me just tell you something you don't want to miss next weekend. Next weekend is going to be like all that. Everybody say, I don't want to miss next weekend. Now, now, like, that was, that was pretty good. Like, you guys are definitely improving in your response back. But, but like, like, I want you to say it with, like, some conviction here. Like, I don't want to miss next weekend. Okay, good. Now you know. You don't want to miss next weekend. Next weekend, we got a special guest with us, uh, pastor of, of one of the largest churches. And uh, it, it's going to be absolutely amazing, and you're going to love it. And on top of that, uh, next weekend, let me just say, everybody say next weekend. If, if you, you saw Josh was up here leading worship wearing one of these shirts, uh, I'm wearing one of these shirts. See, we got our new I Love My Church shirt, and the only time you can get that shirt is next weekend. So we're giving them away next weekend. So, like, if you want one of these or you have some friends that might want one of these, you better make sure they're here because if you're not here, you know what? You don't get one. Okay, that's just straight up how it is. So, like, it's going to be awesome. And then the weekend after that, is, is probably gonna be even better than that because next weekend's gonna be awesome. But the weekend after that, we're starting a brand new series that weekend called Uncovered. And uh, we're talking about sex and relationships and marriage and dating and sex. And so like, it's a, <laughs> like everybody wants to talk about sex. Let's talk about sex, you know, that whole thing. And so like, it's gonna be awesome. Um, relationships are probably one of my favorite things to talk about. So I wanna encourage you, there's invite cards, Invite your friends, invite the person that maybe you'd like to date someday, single people. It, it'll be helpful for you, I promise. And uh, anyways, so we're in this series today called I Love My Church. And we've been in this series for the last couple of weeks. And we've been talking about the values of our church. And so if, if you're here checking us out, this is a great opportunity for you to learn more about us. We do this once a year where we just take a couple of weeks and we talk about the things that are important to us to help people become fully devoted followers of Christ, what are some things that they need to embody and live in their lives and, and, and live out to really be fully devoted? And, and so we've talked about, talked about healthy people grow. We've talked about save people, serve people. We've talked about found people, find people. And today we're diving in and we're talking about one of them that I think is really, really important in our walk with Jesus and in being a disciple of Christ, and that is this, this value that we have of we live generously. We live generously, and, and we started Coastal with this entire idea. I can remember a little over five years ago when Shayla and I moved here at the end of May, the very beginning of June of 2009, the day that we moved in to Coconut Creek, we went out, we went to Sam's Club, got a Sam's Club membership, and we went out and we bought a whole bunch of Snicky Snacks and 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 Red Bulls and Starbucks drinks and all these things. And we made these gift baskets and, and we went out and served our community. We went to the local schools and we went to the post offices and we went to daycare centers. We went to any kind of place that had a whole bunch of people and we said, hey, you know what? We're a brand new church in this community. And the thing that we wanna embody as a church more than anything is, is we wanna be generous because Jesus was so generous with us that we want that to be the foundation of every single thing that we do. And so we started off with this whole idea that, man, we're all about being generous because a generous and a sacrificial lifestyle is a core 
element to discipleship. I mean, it just, it just is. They just go hand in hand, and, and you can't talk about uh, discipleship without talking about generosity, and you can't, you can't really understand what discipleship and being a fully devoted follower of Christ is until you understand that, man, who Christ was in and of himself was this being that was completely sacrificial in everything that he did. And so the very essence of discipleship is, is this idea that, man, we, we've got to be a good steward of what God has given to us, our time, our talent, our treasure, and we've got to live generously with those things because the very essence of godliness is generosity. I mean, that's why John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave. If we're going to be godly in life, then we have got to be like God in the fact that the very thing that we see all throughout Scripture is that God is constantly this giving God that is wanting to better our lives, that is wanting to do something inside of us. And, and the work that God wants to do in this world and in people is advanced through the generosity of his people. It's not advanced through just good ideas and good thoughts. It's advanced because people are generous and embody this. And it's, it's not just our money. It's our time. It's our talent. It's our influence. And it is our money that we are to use to glorify God in every single aspect of life. And, and to talk about discipleship and to talk about generosity is to really, in essence, talk about the, the core element of the gospel. Because the gospel is all about this God who was first generous with us, who was first willing to give. And a lot of us, when we start thinking about this and we start hearing this, we go, oh man, the church just wants my money. And, and really, the reason we talk about generosity in our church isn't because we want your money. And, and in fact, that's not even the reason that God talks about it. Because the very, at the very center of this idea of generosity is the fact that God wants your heart. And generosity deals with our heart. That's why Jesus said in, 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 in Matthew um, and in other places all throughout the Bible, but he said this. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What he said is he says, if I want to know where your heart is, then all I have to do is look at your things and your money and your stuff because those things are a reflection of where your heart is. It isn't your heart is somewhere and then everything else follows it. It's like, no, where you put value and where you invest in, that's where your heart's going to be. And I know this to be true because uh, I, I, I remember when I, when I got married uh, to Shayla, it was glorious. It was awesome. But about three years into our relationship, it wasn't so glorious and awesome. Like, we always haven't had great days in our relationship. And I remember coming home at one point and, and our relationship was just a mess. Like, we were living together, but really, we were just roommates in life. And that's a horrible place. If you've ever been married and your spouse is like your roommate rather than your spouse, like, something has gone wrong in that relationship, and something had totally gone wrong in our relationship. The fact was is that all of my time was spent on my hobbies and what I enjoyed doing. All of her time was spent with her friends and going to the beach and getting her nails did and all of those things. And we started looking at our life and we're going, man, something's not right. Like, I don't want to spend time with you anymore. I don't want to love you the way that I used to love you. You want to know why? Because what I was treasuring in life wasn't my spouse. It was all the other things. And so when I started looking at why do I not have love for Shayla right now, it's because my treasure wasn't anywhere near her. I'd forgotten to love and appreciate this gift that I had. 
And so many times what happens is, is, is the reason we're to be these generous people is it's because it's an attitude of our heart. See, love and gratitude flow from our heart. And at the very heart of generosity is this idea of do we love and are we grateful? In fact, if you're taking notes today, we're gonna, we're gonna focus on two kind of statements and I'm gonna give them to you right in the beginning because I think that they're at the core of our motivation for generosity. And the first one is this, is that to love means to give. And right after it, to give means to be grateful. To love means to give, and to give means to be grateful. The issue is, is how much do we love? And the issue is, is how grateful are we in life? And so today we're going to be looking at a story out of uh, Luke chapter 10. If you guys want to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, and uh, this is probably one of the most famous uh, parables that Jesus ever told, and, and it's, it's been told over and over and over again. And, and today I want to put a little bit of a different twist on it, because uh, I saw some things in here that I've never seen before this week when studying, and, and, and I think that it's, it's really interesting, because this story is connecting sacrificial giving to our love for God and for his people. And so, so what's happening in Luke 10? Verse 25 through 29, and it says this, And behold, a lawyer stood up and put to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, meaning the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? He goes, Jesus, that's awesome. Like, okay, the, the, like, the most important thing that I can do is I can love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and spirit. Like, I can do that and then love my neighbor. But, like, I want to understand, like, like, I understand the extremities that you're talking about and, and, and how deep you're talking about, about loving God. But can you define for me who my neighbor is? And I think by the time that Jesus finished this conversation, I bet you this lawyer was, was really upset that he asked this question. Like, I'm like, and, and you, have you ever asked those questions that like, you don't want to know the answer? This is like one of those questions like, he just shouldn't have asked because the answer that he was about to get was about to blow his mind. And so basically what happens is Jesus says, well, let me explain to you who your neighbor is. And he said, there's a man that is going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And, and as he's traveling along, the roads are dangerous. It's a long travel, you know. And what happens is as this man is traveling down from Jerusalem to Jericho, he gets, he gets mugged, he gets beaten, he gets robbed. In fact, the Bible says that he was left for half dead. And so this man is beaten to a pulp. He's stripped naked. He is lying on the side of this road that is being traveled by people. And it says, along comes a priest, and what's interesting is, is the people that Jesus uses in this story, because when you think of a priest, you think of a, our connection like God to man and man to God. That was what the priests did. They were the connection point for God to people and for people to God in those days. And so the thought of a priest being there, they're like, oh, of course a priest is going to help somebody out. But the Bible says that the guy saw the man and, and just went to the other side of the road and continued walking, going to where he was going. And then it says that a Levi came along, and you got to understand what a Levi was. They were the ones that performed all the sacrifices of those days. They were the, the ones that were there to help people uh, 
get rid of their sins so they would sacrifice animals and Levi's handled all that sacrificial thing. So their normal job description is like we help people move past where they are in life. And, and the Bible actually says that the Levi went over and looked at the man and then went to the opposite side of the road and continued walking along. And so the crowd of people that are gathered here are probably thinking like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that those two guys would do that. And then all of a sudden he goes, but a Samaritan. And as soon as Jesus would have said, but a Samaritan, like the entire crowd would have gasped at that point. Because Samaritans were were hated by the Jews. The Jewish people hated the Samaritan people because it was a constant reminder to them of, of when they were overtaken by the Syrians. And the Syrians, what they would do is they would, they would marry with the Jewish people to try to rid the Jewish race out of society. And so every time a Jewish person would see a Samaritan, they would think to, of themselves, like they tried to rid us of our heritage. They tried to rid us of our nationality. And so there, there was this hatred between them. And in verse 33, it says, But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. And here's the principle that I want us all to see here today. It's, it's this. It's, if we love God and we love people, we will be generous. If we love God and we love people, we will be generous. It's what we, we said from almost day one. We're loving God, we're loving people, and we're showing it because the idea of our neighbor isn't just some grand idea that Jesus is throwing out there. He's not just like saying, hey, love your neighbor. Like that isn't just some superficial thing. He isn't saying like, how do you be a neighbor isn't some superficial thing. He's saying, listen, Love without legs is not love at all. Love always requires you to do something. It always requires you to give something of yourself. And what he's saying right here is he's saying, if you love God and you love your neighbor, you will be generous. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. Like if it's truly love, like it is going to compel you to do something in life. And so what I wanna do is for a couple of minutes, I just wanna look at a couple of things that the Samaritan did, that, that happened in his life, that I think needs to happen in our lives if we're gonna truly embrace this idea that to, to love is to give, and that's this. The first one is this, is that Samaritan, man, he listened to his heart. He listened to his heart. Like, he wasn't the only one on the road that day. I'm sure that the priest and the Levi, they saw some danger, but they also saw this man. And I'm sure that when they walked over and they saw this man, there was some sort of twinge in their heart. Because like, I don't think you can see something like that and not be moved to some sort of compassion. Like you can't just non-feeling. Like it just doesn't exist. But yet they walked away. But it says, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. When he saw he had compassion. He walked up uh, upon this man and goes, oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do about this situation? It's my observation that as Christ followers, we need to listen to our heart a whole lot more when it comes to people. 
Like far too many times we walk into situations as Christians and we rationalize and, and we, we, we go through all the scenarios and we talk ourselves out of opportunities to show compassion to people. We talk ourselves out of the moments where we could go and do something that would radically transform somebody's life. But instead of listening to our hearts, we rationalize and, and, and we reason ourselves out of our response that we should have. And this is what I know about God. God is, God is constantly after our heart. God is constantly going, man, what's going on inside of there? He's saying, what does your heart say about helping this guy? What does your, your heart say about your compassion for the person? And my question for all of us is, is, is when is the last time that we listened to a heart? And it's not necessarily about doing something financially, but when did we give of our, ourselves? This man listened to his heart, but he also, he, he embraced the inconvenience of the situation. If you think about this, this man was, was traveling probably with a caravan in, 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 in all respects. He was, he was on his way someplace. There was no reason to ever stop. He was in Jewish territory. He knew the risks that were involved by him stopping in this situation. And he probably, he probably could have said, you know what? Like, this is risky, but, and, and I have some important business somewhere else that I need to attend to. But he allowed the inconvenience to stop him there. He saw that this man was hurting, that this man was broken. And he said, you know what, I've got to do something about it. And this parable is not about the cost of caring. That's what we've preached all these years. There's a high cost to caring. This parable is not at all about the high cost of caring. It's not what it's about at all. That is not the point of this story. The point of the story is not the high cost of caring. The point of the story isn't the Samaritan. It isn't the priest. It isn't the Levi. The point of the story and the focal point of the story and the, is the condition of the man that's sitting there hurting. That's the focal point. What happens to him if I don't do something about it? That is the point of this story. What happens to the person that is desperate and in need if we don't care enough for them, if we don't embrace the inconvenience? And I understand sacrifice is risky. Love is risky. It is totally risky. I'm sure that this guy looked around and said, man, if these guys have gotten beat and robbed and, and this guy's laying here for dead, what are they gonna do to me? And he says, in spite of all of that, in spite of the risk that's involved, like, I'm going to show compassion anyways. He says, man, I'm going to count the cost, and I understand that it's gonna, it could cost me my life. But this man is worth far too much more. The question for all of us is, is, is what will happen if we don't give? What will happen if we don't embrace the inconvenience? I want you guys to take a look at a guy who decided to embrace the inconvenience. I'm Andrew Wilson. I was uh, raised in a Christian family, grew up in a Christian household, uh, went to Christian school my entire life, attended church, and um, started going off the wrong path, hanging out with the wrong group of people. 2009, I uh, went up and was partying up at a college football game, ended up falling out of a tree breaking my neck and my jaw. I had, I had a neck brace on for a month and a half, had my jaw wired shut for two months, 
Once that happened, I, I recovered, started following God and trusting God and saying, God, you're, you're with me. I, uh, you watched over me during these hard times and uh, the accident. Uh, and then I, I continued to go to church and kind of just be a fan rather than a follower. I was invited to Coastal from a friend. And uh, from day one, I, I mean, I, I loved it from the first service. Fired me up for, for the Lord, leaving every Sunday just amped. Um, so as I began to come to Coastal, I, I started getting more involved, uh, started to serve, and started to uh, actually live it out. Uh, started reading different books. I started reading this book called The Blessed Life, um, which is about using the gifts that God's blessed you with in a way that's uh, glorifying to Him. So I, I started volunteering, uh, doing signs with Jasper um, every Sunday morning, and uh, didn't really know him. Just got to know him, talked to him, and uh, he was just telling me how he's going to Bayside College. And uh, just one day I was going through Facebook and uh, saw something regarding raising money for Jasper to go to school. That uh, when I saw that, it just hit home. So I started to pray on it more and more. So it challenged me to uh, do something. And I started praying about it and said what I wanted to do. Then I, I, God was talking back to me saying he wanted me to do more above and beyond what I wanted to do. So as I was sitting there writing the check, uh, it, was, it was very hard for me to do it um, because I, I, I never have done something like that before. But I said to myself, like, you know what, this is, this is a turning point in your life. But then once I let go and gave him the check, it, it was refreshing, it was joyful. I mean, it brought joy to me to see that I'm gonna make this impact on this young guy. And I'm so happy to see that God has allowed me to be a role in his life for this. And seeing him, how thankful he was and how happy he was when he got that check, just brings joy to me still to this day. Just like something that I thought was so small made such a huge difference in somebody else's life. I love my church because it's not only about receiving, but also about giving. I love Andrew's story because I, I, I was actually with Andrew the week before, and he came to me and said, man, I, I feel like God is telling me to do something, but like this is what I want to do, and this is what God's telling me to do. And I said, man, you, you, you can do whatever you want, but I would probably do what God's telling you to do. And he's, <laughs> I would probably tell all of you guys that. Um, and he said, but if I do that, then I can't do what I want to do. And the next week, I remember texting him and saying, hey, man, what would you end up deciding? And, and him going, you know what, I, I, I did what God was telling me to do. And He's not in the service, so I don't care. I'll, I'll say it. Like, he ended up paying for this entire kid's um, internship. Jasper, a kid that had volunteered here for years, and uh, he just moved to Bradenton, Florida to be, do a nine-month internship at the church that we came from. And he, he, he asked himself this question, like, what happens if I don't give to him? What happens if I don't? take this step and embrace the inconvenience in my life. You know what's going to happen? He's not going to be able to do what God's called him to do. It 
See, what he did and, and what this guy did is they allowed the new opportunity to become the new priority in their life. They allowed the opportunity to become the new priority in life because getting to where this guy was headed was not the priority in his life anymore. The priority of his life became the man's condition. It became the condition of his soul. It became the condition of his life. And he said, you know what? I'm gonna be open-handed with my life. Like, it's not about keeping to my calendar. It's not about keeping to my schedule. And some of y'all, you need to hear this today because right now you're living your life based on your calendar and based on your schedule. And the God opportunity moments that are in life are not always scheduled moments. They're the moments that are around your schedule that sometimes you just got to kind of toss off to the side and say, like, this is the divine opportunity that God is giving me right now. If it was all about God's moments were scheduled out, then our lives would be really simple. But God's moments come in an instant. And are we going to embrace them in that instant? One of my favorite sayings is, is this, is the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of that opportunity. There is a limited time to take advantage of your God-sized moments. I'll tell you this, in November 28th of 1998 is a moment that I'll re remember for the rest of my life. It was a game-changing moment for me. It happened at one 30 in the afternoon. It's a Sunday afternoon. I'd gone to church. I was doing an internship in Texas and I'd come back for Thanksgiving holiday and I was at church and, and after church, uh, I, I went to eat lunch with my pastor there at, at our, the facilities of the church that I went to. And, and during that time, I saw a whole bunch of friends. I invited them over to my house around 2.30. I lived on Siesta Key. If, you, if you've never been to Siesta Key, you are missing out in life, greatest beach in the world. Um, and, and so that's where I grew up. That's where my family lived. And, and so I invited a whole bunch of people to come over and go jet skiing, go out on the boat and go tubing. And, and so I was, I was rushing through lunch so I could get back home and be ready because we lived about 40 minutes away from where the church we attended. And as I was walking out to my car, uh, parking lot was pretty much completely empty. There was this girl that was walking across the parking lot. And, uh, and I was in a hurry, but I saw her and I saw that something wasn't right. Like, it looked like she was crying or she was upset. And so I walked over to her and, and, and I realized who it was. It was a, it's a girl that I've known most of my life, and, but it hadn't talked to in six or eight months at that point in time. And, and I walked over and, and, and her name was Shayla. And I said, hey, is, is, is everything okay? Are you, are you doing all right? Granted, at this time, I'm not allowed to date. I have no desire to date anybody in my life right now. I'm just, I'm dating Jesus at this point. Like, I'm madly in love with Jesus. Still am to this day. And, and, and I see, and she's like, man, it's, it's been a rough day. I, I broke up with my boyfriend today uh, because I heard like God told me to, and, and I'm just kind of lost. And I was like, hey, a whole bunch of people are coming over to my house. Um, like, why don't you come hang out with all of us? And that was the day that started this domino effect of our relationship. Shayla is now my wife, for those of you that don't know. But I embraced the inconvenience of that day. And I allowed this, this priority of somebody that was hurting to be my new priority rather than keeping on my schedule of getting home so I could meet all of my guests. Changed my life forever. 
Then the Samaritan, what he does is he, he gave all that he had. In verses 34 and 35, you can read them there, but he gave his oil and his wine and his donkey and all of these things to this man. He ended up paying for his hotel bills and his re- recovery and his hospital bills. And, and you think about this. This man is on a journey. The reality is, is that his oil and his wine are probably the things that he is going to end up trading when he gets to his destination. Like they're his commodities for what he's going to make his money off of. And in that moment, he goes, hey, hey, bring me, bring me the wine. I need to clean this guy's wounds. Like, let me wash these things off. Let me make sure that he's disinfected. And then he says, bring me the oil. Bring me the oil. Like, I want to soothe his wounds. And he pours the oil over. And he says, man, rip, rip, the tunic, rip your tunic. Like, we need to wrap him up. And they're like, okay, we're taking care of him. But what are we going to do? And he's like, how are we going to take care of him? Because we don't have any more vehicles for him to ride on like like, we don't have any other animals and he goes listen he can ride my animal I will walk and what this man does is he gives everything that he had he could have said like listen I don't have anything to give and that's a lie that we believe like we don't have anything to give all of us give something the Levi and the priest they gave they just gave to themselves they said I'm gonna give to myself All of us give, all of us give all the time. It's a choice of who we give to and what we give to. Most of us are are a lot like the Levi and the priest. We give to ourselves rather than trusting God. But this is what this man knew is that everything that he had been given to him wasn't for him. It was a resource to be used for a moment specifically like this. And what I'm here to tell you today is that, man, God has blessed you with resources. He's blessed you with gifts. He's blessed you with talents, not so that you can just hoard them, so you can keep them, so you can trade them, but he wants you to use them to impact other people's lives. He wants you to live generously because to give is to love. And by Jesus using the Samaritan and talking to this lawyer, what he's doing right there is he's saying, like, what's your excuse for not being compassionate and generous? Like, what's your excuse for not using your gift? What's your excuse for not using your talent? What's your excuse for not opening up your checkbook or your wallet or your pocketbook today? What's your excuse? Because generosity always identifies and reflects the love of Jesus to other people. It always does. You think about Jesus. You think about how do you really, really see Jesus? What are the things that Jesus modeled and identified that we can go and do the same thing? There's two things that you see on the cross that Jesus does. One is he forgives others. Like we are most like Jesus when we forgive other people and he gave sacrificially. We are most like Jesus when we give sacrificially. Those are the portraits and those are the pictures of the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if you want people to see those things, then you've got to forgive others and you've got to give sacrificially. Because that's exactly what Jesus did. To love means to give. The second thing there is to To give means to be grateful. And where we get this principle is out of 2 Samuel 24. Um, If you don't know the story, it's a story about David. And and David is a man that is considered a man after God's own heart. And 
And it wasn't because he was this extremely godly guy, like, because David screwed up most of the time in his life. The thing that made David this man that was after God's own heart is that, man, he was always quick to be obedient and repent whenever God told him to. And so what happens is, is David is getting a little full of himself in life because he's really successful as a king. And he decides to, to count the people of Israel and, and which God has told him not to do. And, and, and I think he was doing that because he wanted to, to find his security in those things. I don't really know. I'm just guessing in this. But like, and, and, and all of a sudden, God knew that if he counted the people, he wouldn't put his trust in God, but he would put his trust in his armies and his ability. And, and David does this, and, and the, the consequences of that are, are pretty harsh. God ends up going and, and killing like 70,000 Israelites. And, and David, in the midst of all of this happening, cries out to God and says, God, please don't kill any more people. If you're going to kill somebody, take me. Take me. I'm the one who screwed up. I'm the one who messed up. I'm the one who jacked all the situation up. And God says, listen, you, you want to satisfy the wrath. You want to satisfy the requirements. He says, man, you need to go and make a sacrifice. Go and make a sacrifice. In 2 Samuel 24, 21 through 23, you won't have this up on the screen, but it says this. It says, David went to Aruna and said, why my Lord, the king come to his servant? And David said, to buy a threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord that the plague may be averted from the people. Then Aruna said to David, let the Lord my king take and offer up what seems good to him. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering and threshing sledges and yokes of oxen for wood. All this, O king, Aruna gives to the king. And Aruna said to the king, may the Lord your God accept you. See, God told David to go make a sacrifice and he told him to go to this place called Aruna. And what you gotta understand is that when they would, they would go to threshing floors, because he says, go to this threshing floor, it would be on the top of a mountain. Because what would happen is, is as they were grinding the wheat down, that the wind would come through, and, and because it was on top of the mountain, the wind would come through and blow away all the chaff, all the excess that, that wasn't necessary to be there. And so, and so God called David to go and do the sacrifice on top of the mountain so that all the people could see that, that he was giving back to God, that he was sacrificing to God. And in the middle of that, Aruna says, man, David, you can have all this stuff. Like, you can have the oxen. You can, you can own this place if you want it. Like, go ahead and take it. And this is how David responds to him in verse 24. It says, but the king said to Aruna, no, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that costs me nothing. What in essence he's saying is he's saying, listen, listen, I'm not gonna give something to God that doesn't cost me something. Like worship to God is never worship without sacrifice. Like honoring God is never honoring without sacrifice in that. It's one of the reasons why we moved our, our offering time into the middle of worship because we want our giving to be an act of worship to God. God, we're getting rid of something. Like we're letting go of something. God, we're saying we trust you with this aspect of our life and we're gonna worship you in spite of it. 
What I love is that he wasn't going to give something cheap to God. He wasn't going to give an afterthought to God. He wasn't going to take somebody else's thing and give it to God. He said, man, it's got to cost me something because he knew that if, if that did not cost him something, that relationship didn't mean much to him. It's why women want a diamond ring when they get engaged because they want to know that that relationship costs something because it means something. Guys, the reason we should give a big diamond ring is because we're so grateful that somebody so beautiful would take us. Every dude should be doing an amen right there because you know it's true. You ugly. It's okay. She's way hotter than you. See, our generosity is in direct relationship to our gratitude. The question for all of us is, is how grateful are we? See, the reason we're generous is because we're grateful of what God has done in our life. He's saved us. He's redeemed us. He's brought us up from the pit. A couple of years ago, I was up in Columbus, Ohio, and spending time with my niece and my nephew. And, and my nephew was out at a ball game, and, and uh, I'm, I'm their godparent, so... Um, Man, I love spending time with them. And my niece was probably about eight years old at the time. And so we decided we were going to stay in for the night and hang out and just, just you know, kind of veg out, rent a movie. And so we went to the store. We, we grabbed a movie at the Red Box. And, and we went inside and we grabbed some sneaky snacks. You know, you got to grab some snacks if you're going to watch a movie. And so we got some, so we got some popcorn and we got some, some candy. And my niece grabbed some Skittles. Like, that's definitely from Jesus. And But at the time, I was... I was, uh, I was being healthy, and so, and I'm still trying to be healthy because I've, I've got a tendency to be fat. And so uh, maybe some of you guys have experienced that yourself. I don't know. It, it's horrible. So I grabbed a bottle of water. I was like, this is what I'm going to sneaky snack on. Water. Yay. Um, and, and so we went home, and uh, we threw the movie in, and we popped some popcorn, and she's eating some popcorn, and she breaks out her Skittles, and she opens them up, and Man, I love Skittles. Oh, taste the rainbow of Skittles. Okay, if I can open them up. Maybe I need to work out some more. I don't know. There we go. And so, ugh, Skittles wrapper. So she's over there, and she's gnawing away on her Skittles. And, and I reach over to take a Skittle. And she slaps my hand. And so immediately I just spank her. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm like, what? And she's like, you can't have any Skittles. And right away I had a couple of thoughts, uh, most of which I cannot share in church. But I, but I just had this thought like, like this child has forgotten that I am the source of her Skittles. Like, I brought her to the store. I walked up to the counter. I paid with my money. She didn't, she didn't have a dollar to her name. She's broke as a joke, okay? Like, she has nothing. She's eight. Like, I, I control the Skittles in this world called TJism. 
And, and, like, and like she's forgotten that like I am the source of all of her Skittles. She doesn't realize that without me, there would be no Skittles in her life. It's a bad day. Second thing I realize is that she's forgotten that I control the Skittles. Listen, I control the Skittles. Like I'm bigger than her. I'm stronger than her. I will, I will take Skittles. Listen, I'll give some Skittles. You want some Skittles? Here you go. You like to run. You need some Skittles. Here, like I can control the Skittles. Like, listen, like I'm in complete control. Here, you guys need some Skittles. Like I can give her Skittles. She has no control. In fact, I can make it rain Skittles in this place. Like I control the Skittles. I have the market on them. And I realized, you know what? I don't need her Skittles. I can go buy a truckload of Skittles if I want. I have more resources, I have more ability. What I want for her is for her to be generous. What God wants for all of us isn't our stuff and our money. God just wants us to be generous. He wants us to remember that, that he is the source of every single thing that we have and that he controls every single aspect of what we've acquired and what gifts and what talents we have. And he wants to help us live a life that isn't just about ourselves, but is about how do we do something for other people because everything that we have is his. And this is what I've learned about God is that you can't outgive God. You just can't. No matter how hard or how much or what you do, no matter how hard you try, like it doesn't matter. It, you give to him and he always gives back more. He will always come through. It's, it's like the idea of tithing that we encourage all of you to do. It's amazing that God can do more with 90 than you can do with 100. You give God that 10 and watch your life with that 90. And I know some of you guys right away go like, well, I can't afford to tithe. You can't afford not to. See, the beginning of generosity is trusting God. And some of you guys in here today, man, I want to I challenge you. Man, God holds it all. It's time for you to trust him. Time for you to step out and say, you know what, God, I'm not going to continue to hold on to what little I have. I'm going to trust you in the very beginning and see what you do with the rest of my life. And I'm going to embrace the inconvenience. And I'm going to allow you to take control. And I'm going to have compassion on people. And I'm going to give because I love, and I'm going to love because I, I'm grateful for what you've done in my life. Let's pray. God, I know that for some people here today that as we talk about this, like right away, man, the, the barriers go up, and the, we put a stop to things because we think, oh, man, you just want my stuff. And, I, and, and man, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me so much this week and just said, you know what? There's some of you guys out there that there's so much more month than there is money right now. And you're like, man, I, I don't even know how I could start trusting God and how I could be generous with my life and with my stuff and with my things. And my prayer for you today is, is that you just start somewhere.
that you would just step out in some arena, some measure, some way. God, I pray that we would have eyes to see the hurt and the brokenness around us. God, that we would have ears to hear. God, and that we would be your hands and feet, remembering that your hands and feet paid a huge price. God, I just pray right now that we would be willing to pay the price to be generous, to make a difference in someone else's life today. God, change us from the inside out. God, because this, this isn't about our stuff, this is about our heart. Because where our treasure is there, our heart will be also. God, and my prayer is that all of our hearts would be fully devoted to Jesus today. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.